Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast. Your hosts are Wazza and Dan. How's it going, Dan? Oh, not too bad, Wazza. As good as can be after Thursday night's game anyway. Well, did you see the same nightmare I did? Uh, yeah, all that damage was done in the first quarter and it was by far our worst game for the year because you could bring so many positives out of the two Sydney games. And it was a game we could have won, you'd say, more against Sydney the second time. But this game, you didn't have that feeling. Even though technically you look at the shots we had, it was that type of game, if we can where we won. But you didn't get that feeling because that first quarter was so bad. Yeah, being at the ground, it was like a horror movie, um, one I didn't want to see. Um, but, yeah, these are things that happen. Uh, if we kick straight, could have won. I listened to back chat today and Daniel Kerr put in a different perspective that, you know, sometimes stats don't tell the whole story. But the one that we needed to know was the ground differential in clearances and we got smashed and Noah just getting the hands on the ball first every time. So maybe that's something we've got to work on for this week against the Crows. We have to definitely change something up because, yeah, as I said, it was just by far our worst game for the year and glass half full, like, thank God our worst game for the year, it was only a 28-point loss because, you know, a lot of teams, you know, had bigger ones. Look at the reigning premiers when they came over. That was a 47-point loss yep. then. Yep. So it could have been a lot worse. We just got to put it into perspective and go from there. Uh, look, before we get on and talk about the game in proper, um, one of our members from the Next Generation discussion page, Ashley Jones, he was one of our members from the start. He passed away earlier in the month from a year-long battle with cancer. Now, he, li he lived in South Australia, so he was against the norm, not going for poor Adelaide, and he was hanging on to watch the Eagles to play the Crows this week, but uh, unfortunately he couldn't get there. He uh, was organised to meet Sheed earlier on at the Carlton game and he was too sick, but his old man got Dom Sheed to ring him. But it just puts things into perspective that you come home from a game that we got killed in, in uh, the Essendon game, and then somebody that you, you meet through social media and that, and uh, it sort of touched everyone's hearts and our prayers go out to his family. Yeah, our hearts definitely go out to his family. It was um very sombre feeling when you first hear because he was such a positive person that said I only spoke to him on social media media kind of thing and read his post and he always had a bright outlook and was always a positive person so it's very sad to hear yeah so we're going to dedicate our show to him tonight and hopefully the Eagles win against the Crows for him so before we get into the footy um I was bored last night and I was thinking about the end of the year <laughs> and I was just looking at things and I was looking at our draft picks. So a lot of people have been asking out there what draft picks we have. So they're round two, we got number 22 and 34. Round four, we got 64 and 70. And round five, we got number 88. Now with round two, we got 22. Now, Originally, we gave up our first round draft pick to Gold Coast. That would have been pick 16. So we haven't fallen too far back. No, I see. And I think a lot of people, as long as our season, we don't capitulate from here. And uh, I think they'll look now that it was a great thing. It was effectively, I think it was a pick 50 we threw in as well. But effectively, one first round pick for four second round picks. And um, everyone can see the light at the end of the tunnel with a lot of their players we picked up last year. So, yeah, it's, it's actually looking really good. And um, Suns don't look like they're going to be out of the bottom four. So I think it's up to the Eagles as long as we don't slide very far. Yep. Um, great trade. And even if we do, 
still four second round picks. And the great thing about this year is there's a great talent pool there. Yep. So you will get great players with later picks because when the professionals talk about it, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, it's not exactly talking about the elite talent at the front end. It's talking about how much depth and talent is in the draft. So it'll go, I think it stopped quite early last season. So with the talent available this year, we could get quite a good player with one of our very later picks, which would be great to get. Yeah, look, be interesting. And who knows, with uh, the Gov and Gaff, if one of them goes, we could even go back into round one with a conversation pick or a trade. But we'll see what happens when we get there. So let's get to the footy. It's the final siren. Well, the Eagles medical room. I might get an Ambo siren put in for this segment. I don't know. I don't know about that personally. Uh, Darren could probably uh, swing it for us, but people might be looking out their front windows thinking the ambulance rocked up. <laughs> uh, Tommy Barras, he's one or two weeks for the back. Uh, they've come clean a bit on that. Uh, people were hoping he was going to be back, but he's not going to be. Uh, Jack Darling, three to four weeks on our injury report, but Vozzo said it could be one to two. Same as Josh Kennedy, one to two weeks, but on this report it says two to three. Malcolm Carbon, he's still five weeks away. Uh, Mark Lacroix probably the worrying sign. People got reports saying that he's fine to play. Uh, he's going to face a test, basically, so it's not as bad as what the first fought. And Mackenzie's toe's gone again. Turf toe, so indefinite. Yeah, see, it's not a long injury list, but I find it very intriguing, but in a bad way. And a few things stick out to me is the Darling and Kennedy ones, because they're basically exactly the same amount of weeks away as they were, were when it first was announced that they were injured. You know, I think Darling was three to five weeks away, and now he's listed three to four, and he's already missed a couple of weeks. And Kennedy was one to three, and now he's missed a game, and he's two to three now. So that's a worrying sign. And the thing sticks out to me is it's not in vogue anymore because they busted that story, you know, and yep. it's not talking about much. But is this a result of the hard surface of the stadium? The f- hairline fracture that was reported Kennedy has... That's something you get from repeat, like repeat, like shock of jarring of the leg. You get hairline fractures, so that could be a hard surface. When Darling went down, we didn't know what had happened. Could that be a hard surface? And when he's just come down, and we just all prayed he didn't grab his knee, and thank God he didn't. And in the back one, that's definitely a half ser- hard surface injury. But the shock of it just constantly jumping up and down. But why aren't Freeman all getting the same sort of injuries? We have had a few injuries, like the Hill brothers. I find that they're not being able to play players sore. So that could be because of the hard surface. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things, I think, the it's already been reported, they busted that story open, so it's not talked about anymore, and you haven't really heard much about it yep. in the last month. But I'm thinking the talent of the season, are these injuries really, you know, popping up now because of the hard surface? And as I said, it's not a long injury list, but it's a damning injury list. There's a... You know, a couple of All-Australians on there, a couple, few All-Australian contenders this year, you know, and it's just not a great... You don't want three key position players out at once, and you don't want your two senior forwards out at once. Th- three, if you count Darling as a senior player, because he's 25, uh, 26 now, I think. 
So, yeah, it's just we need those players back. That's your spine, basically. Your spine's gone. So everyone knows what happens when your spine don't work. You can't function. So same with football. Uh, well, let's get into the game. Eagles went down to Essendon, 6-16 to 12 goals, 18. Um, 51,000. We broke one record. We had seven seven rounds where we come the first club ever to do that, 50-plus. So that was the positive thing taken out of the game. If you look at the final score, six goals, 16, and then you add in last year, uh, last week's seven goals, 15, that's a total of 13-31 in two games. That's saying we need to get more efficient in front of the sticks. That's a horrible stat to look at. And um, scoreboard pressure. A lot of stats, but one that goes under the radar a lot is goals. Let's <laughs> yeah. be honest, this is the most important one. 13-31, that's almost embarrassing. If that scoreline was flipped and we kicked 31-13, we'd be having a very, very different conversation. Oh, yeah, we would be. And when you think about it, um, it should have happened, but it didn't. Um, And that's probably because of the pressure Essendon put on. When you kick the first seven goals, there's going to be pressure there, even if there's it's perceived pressure. You you sit there and go, how did we get seven goals down? End of the day, um, we couldn't get the job done, but it's something that we're going to learn from. Um, where, where else can we go? Um, you're missing two, of, like you said, you're missing two of your forwards. They kicked the first six goals. Nat Nui probably had his worst game for a while. We won the tackle count 65 to 60, but you were saying off air, it was probably only in the first quarter that we really had our tackles broken. Yep. But as you went along the in the game, it just seemed like every tackle was getting broken. See, that's the funny thing in this game. I, I said from the outset, so don't get me wrong out there, this was by far our worst game, and I'm not making excuses for this game because there is no excuses, but if you took that first quarter out, and because it was such a bad first quarter, as supporters, it distorted our view on the actual game. Yep. Now, if you took that first quarter out, and it was just over three quarters, the last three quarters, they would have kicked six goals, six. We would have kicked six goals, 15. So we won in the last three quarters. And they broke so many tackles in that first quarter that from then on, they didn't break as many. But every time they did, it was in your mind, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was just the damage was done in the first quarter. And, yeah, they just came out lax. You know, they just... I've always said as to watch front runners, and if they get in front at the start, they're hard to catch because they go on belief, and that's what they did. Um, I was a bit peeved off because I saw Simo on the sidelines. I think it was in the second quarter. It could have been the third quarter for the majority of the quarter. Now I'd rather him sitting in the box and talking to him on the phone because you can see the game better from higher up. And maybe it was a tactical ploy to get him to lift to someone. I don't know. From what I heard, he was berating them, but it didn't work. Well, it didn't look like it worked. But if we look at players that did actually get something out of it, Jack Redden, unbelievable game again. Yo, brilliant. Gaff, uh, even Hearn. Hearn was everywhere, but then it just dropped off. That was the problem. And this game I didn't straight after really want to talk about. But now I really do want to dissect it. So a few things. That was a problem. People say we had no performers. We had some very good performers on the night. As you touched on, it was once, you know, let's just say half a dozen. We had good performers, half a dozen. Um, But then after that, it dropped right off. And I'm talking about players that had six disposals 
and we had a couple of players with six disposals. We had I think McGinnis had eight disposals, and none of them affected the scoreboard at all. So that, that's that's damning. That's a horrible thing to have. But it was a game of moments, and in these moments, it didn't go our way. And three that really stick out in my mind was Delisette miss soccer. Oh. He just misjudged. He tried to boot it. He misses it. That's a missed moment. There was one, um, and I'll talk about the umpires focusing more on them, but an umpire step, took a couple steps sideways, got in Jetta's way, and the ball bounced off them and went about 10 metres to a loose Eston player. Instead of us getting the clearance, which it looked like Jetta was running for that ball, and he was in the clear, it went to a loose Eston player in the clear, and that resulted pretty much straight in a goal the next it play. It was, yeah. Um, and then there was one more where Ryan, they got fingertips to Ryan's kick, and it was clearly touched. I'm not saying it wasn't touched, but they rebounded out there so quickly and got a goal from that. So there was these key moments, and it was a game of moments, and when it happened, through luck, no fault of ours, or sometimes a fault of ours, it's just didn't go our way. Yeah, it didn't go our way. And I, I said that to the missus. I looked at her when the umpire won, got in Jeddah's way, and I... I knew they couldn't call it back. I knew they couldn't do anything, but I was like, they can't just let that go. Like, that resulted in a goal. I looked at her and said, we're not going to win this game. Even though it was a horrible first quarter and didn't look like we're going to win, everyone that watches that much footy realises sometimes you have these games where nothing's going to go your way and you can pick them, and that was this game for me. I actually thought the umpire, they could pull it back and ball it up. Well, I... I from memory. In my head, I thought they should have because that was yeah. clearly affected by the umpire yeah. and it was a, a resulting in a goal. Um... In real time, I thought it came off the umpire, but it actually came off Jetta. Right. But to me, that doesn't matter because the umpire caused yeah, he contact was in the road. and he stepped sideways. And that becomes because of the four umpires, but we'll talk about that a bit later. Maybe they're getting in each other's way, I don't know. Um, like you said, everything went their way, nothing went our way. Galfie kicks a goal from the boundary line and it bounces at right angles like a Shane Warne spinner. Um, things just fell into place for them and let's not take anything away from Essendon they were the better team on the night and it just shows you if you step onto the field and you're not 100% uh, there you're going to get rolled it doesn't matter if you're the top team or the bottom team and Eagles will learn from that um, and let's just hope when we play the Crows this weekend that it's it's going to be a hostile environment for us but we've got we've got a good record there but we'll talk about it later they've got to turn it around Let's get into the revolving door. The revolving door. All the stats that matter at the Royals. So, yeah, East Perth. Uh, no Schofield, no East Perth again. Um, went down to Claremont, 14-11-95 to East Perth's nine goals, 9-63. And for trivia buffs, they kicked that exact score the week before. <laughs> it's a bit funny, and I, I said it tongue and cheek that Schofield thing, but it's actually true. He's a key defender down there, and when he plays, they stem the bleeding, you know, with the opposition. They don't, he, they don't let him kick much, and they rebound better out of there. Like I, I went to a party on Saturday night, and it was full of East Perth tragics uh, from the old school, and they hate it. They want it gone. They don't want the alignment. They reckon we're not playing for the jumper. I said pile of crap, but. You know. oh, no, I actually agree with them. And I think you and I mentioned it at the beginning of the season when we had a few losses that it's true. Their main goal was to get in the AFL. Well, and it it's is. not that they don't play a team game. 
And Schofield's a big one. Like, you're... Because he's been emergency as well. So although he hasn't played many games for the Eagles, he's been emergency several times, so hasn't played for East Perth. You're taking your full back in and out of that side the whole season. Just that one move alone would affect your whole game style. But to say they're not playing for the jumper, that shits me. Because when they're winning, they're going, oh, this is great. So... But even if they are, let's go over the stats. Partington, he had a good game. One goal, 27 disposals. Sheed did what he needed to do, 25 disposals. Ainsworth, three goals, 22 disposals. He must be in line to get a game this week. Archie, he's probably taking another mark of the year, apparently. I didn't see it. Watto, 18. Mutimer, 16. Petricelli, one goal, 13. But after that, they drop away. People are talking about bringing Vardy in, even though he's not... Having a great time at um, East Perth. He got 29 hit-outs. Um, yeah, look, I don't know what's going to happen this week because to get into the Eagles' side through the revolving door has basically been on injuries. But now they have to take form into account. So do a guy like Partington, Ainsworth, Sheed come back in at somebody's cost? Well, that's the thing. You've got to kind of bring, try and bring in a like-for-like like player. And what we need now is forwards. Brandon didn't impact the game, but from what I heard, he was starved of opportunities because we didn't get it to him enough. So you can forgive him for that. Um, but the only two that really jump out at me that deserve a game is Ainsworth and Partington. But do we need to drop a midfielder? Or do we push one of those midfielders forward? This is a conundrum we have because right now we need tools. And the tools aren't really performing because... Our tools are quite young, and everyone knows they tools tend to take a lot more time to develop than the smaller mids do. But that said, there was a lot of promising. I'm pretty sure I think we'll start playing in the seniors. For well, let's Perth. hope so. You got 22 disposals again, unlimited time in the reserves. I was good to see Burroughs did something. He got three goals this week, um, so that was good for him because he's been in and out for injury. Bayok got 18 disposals, and Alango 29 hitouts. But you can see Bayok, Alango and Burroughs, they're probably development players. Um, for more reports, one of my favourites, Kellen England, had a pretty good game. Well, that's and the thing. I, they're development players. England, yeah. Alango, Burroughs I'm not sure about. He's obviously a development player, but I don't know if he will come good. But they've definitely seen something there because they didn't hesitate in picking him. Yeah. But I, I mean, you just buy your time with these players. Yeah, Let's be honest. And, and they, they could come good. And uh, Alango's winning the hitouts. Pretty much every game he plays. That's not a stat he's losing. Um, so, yeah, once he gets a feel for the game, I think we could have something special there. And a lot of us know the potential England has, and we're really happy to have them. But, yeah, it's... Even, ju- even with a loss, you know, there's still bright light with oh, some of this young is. talent. It's just the midfielders are the ones that are really standing up. Yeah, and our resident Joe, the guru podcast dude, um, he alerted me to some facts today of... Brand has played one game. Oscar Allen hasn't. Liam Ryan's played five games. Ainworth's played one. Petricelli's played two. The rest of the guys haven't played a game. But you've got Waterman, who's played 13. And Venable's played three. So we're getting a bit of a mix in there. The younger players are getting a game without getting too many. But it's good to see where we're going. And it's going to show our depth later on in the year. These guys have to stand up for some time. People are probably expecting them to stand up straight away, but that um, doesn't always happen. Yeah, so it's funny how like all the injuries we had last year to our depth players has made our depth and our draft look better this year. Like because Rioli as well, we forget Rioli, Venables, Waterman, now the big three that were injured all last year or for the majority of last year. 
Um, and then being added to the players that were debuted from last year's draft, it's just it's a great sign for the future, that's for sure. Yeah, well, that's good. All right, well, let's uh, get just, in. Sorry, just quickly. Uh, you, you mentioned Waterman. How is he seeing with you right now? Because I'm a fan of Waterman, and but with these younger players, they tire at the end of the season because this is realistically his first season, season even though yep. we touched on there. Do you think he actually might need a rest? We, we need him because he's a tall, but he's looking tired. He hasn't really impacted the game much the last two against Sydney and against Essendon. Without looking at all his goal assists and stuff like that, probably he does need a rest. Um, it's a big load to put on his shoulders at such a young age. But my question there is if you do take Warnham out of the game, it, it might put him back a bit. Or who's going to take his spot? Is it a Brand or a Vardy? Or do you even try Matty Allen? See, that's the conundrum that you've got to think about. Who's going to take his spot and who's got... Are they going to do a better job than what he's doing? That's why I thought it was a very interesting question to ask because our hands are almost tied with two of our tools being injured forwards. Um, realistically, if Darling and Kennedy was there, I would actually rest him and maybe bring in a small. But not having them there, I don't think we can. But I just thought I'd bring it up because it's a hard question and I thought it's worth thinking because he does actually look tired. And nothing gets Waterman. He's yeah. dominated first half of this season and such a good draft pick for us, father-son pick. Um, brilliant player. I'm a massive fan, so I'm not. That's not me having a shot. It's just unbiasedly I wanted to bring it up. Like, well, if it was me, I'd leave him in there because it can maketh the man. <laughs> <laughs> it's bounce down. All right, we play the Crows, one of the teams I just actually love to hate. Um, don't know why. Maybe it's I don't know. I just don't like them. Same I, as Port. Yeah, it's. I was just about to say, actually, I don't like the South Australian teams, and I'm very much Victoria for, versus the country because they get all these concessions in my mind. But there's just something about South Australian teams I don't like. And I've got I South think they're supporters. I think that's what it is. They do I've got care. South Australian heritage, so it's not a yeah. state thing. So, um, <laughs> um, look, we'll talk about the Crows' medical room. Uh, Betts is out for three weeks. Crouch, Brad Crouch, he's a season... Mitch McGovern's three to four weeks and Brady Smith's out the season. They're the main ones. But players that could come back in this week are Sloan. Um, he might be up against it, so we'll see how he goes. He's missed seven weeks. Laird, he'll definitely come in. Lynch will definitely come in. He's signed a three-year deal, so he's bucked a bit of a trend there. And Murphy's a test. So, And probably the players that would go out would be lesser players like Wilson and Gibson, Betts, obviously, because he's injured, and Ottens will go out, which is which is a bit surprising, maybe. That's what I've just got off the AFL uh, website. So, look, last, what is it? I think the last five times, uh, the Eagles are uh, uh, four out of the last five. Yeah, and I remember one of those games, uh, my wife at the time was working late and I had to go pick her up. And I was devastated uh, because I missed the last quarter. But for it looked like we were going to win. We were in front, it looked like we had all the run. And then I remember it was a last quarter loss and it was a fade out and they ran on top of us. So even with their two wins out of that five, Adelaide, one of those games was one in a quarter. So we do match up well against Adelaide, that's for sure. And it is interesting that um, the first seven games, they averaged 98 points a game. So they were kicking a lot of goals. Um and it's dropped off to 64 in the past six games. That's an alarming uh, stat just there, that they've fallen away that bad. That might be a bonus for the Eagles, but 
in saying that, we've dropped as well because of inaccurate kicking, you know. Um, so it's going to be one of these games that whoever gets in front and has got that mental aptitude, I think it's going to go a long way to winning the game. Um, yeah, I can't I can't see where we've got... We have to find out where we're going to win the game. So we know we can win there. We've got a good record. We've won six of the last seven in Adelaide against the Adelaide teams. Um, we're both trying to end losing streaks. But, you know, Crows, if they lose, that's five in a row. Yeah, see, that's it. Like, we're very hard as supporters on the West Coast Eagles because we expect the best all the time. But in hindsight, we've only had two losses in a row. And as I touched on earlier, I felt like last week's against Essendon was the only truly bad game we've played yep. this year where you could bring a lot of positives in from the two losses against Sydney. Where you've got Adelaide, who were grand finalists last year, fell down at the last hurdle, won the most games last year, and their supporters would have gone in thinking, yep, yeah, we'll win a grand final this year. You know what I mean? They would have been so positive and buoyed going into this season. And... They could possibly, if they lose on the weekend, five in a row, they sit outside the eight. So, you know, it's we could be in a lot worse position than draw at the top of the ladder. Oh, yeah, third. we could be in a lot worse position. They've got key players coming in, which is someone that's going to help Adelaide. Um, and like you said, uh, when you've lost four in a row, you're going to go harder for some reason. I don't know, maybe it's a mental thing, I don't know. The Eagles just need to be on top of the game, have the game above their shoulders get our kick in right because we're getting all the other key indicators correct. We've got to win that ground ball. The only thing is, it's like what people say, it's a noise of affirmation at uh, Optus Oval. It's a noise of affirmation at Adelaide. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, the, uh, the crowd's like an extra umpire. And now what we've had an advantage with is going to be up against us. So we've got to play the ball. See, I really want to talk about the Darling and Josh Kennedy factor. The fact they're both out. Um, I don't want to use that as an excuse for the goal kicking as such because our scores are showing that we're having these shots on goals. It's all, I think, above the, above the shoulders where we're not converting. But the thing that we're missing with them, I find, is the way they lock that ball in. They're such good, tall, defensive players. So after kicking it behind, our forward press with them there is so good. You can have Nick Nat on one side of the ground, and you can have Josh Kenny Darling on the other. You've got two big, imposing players that can impact that game, and we tend to lock it in. So the defensive side of the game, I find, is that's what's really hurting us. Not having the two senior players out there that can help lock that ball in. Because yep. And it was never more prominent than it was against the Essendon game, the way they were able to run that out of our forward yep. line. And we kicked that many behinds, you're allowing opposition to rebound out. So let's forget about the accuracy at goal. We need I'm not blaming that on Darling and JK not being there because we're having the shots yep. and these players are known and to be good. And we're getting the ball yeah, there. That's it. It's coming out too easy. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and we got to own the corridor again because we just yeah. let Essendon own the corridor and that was an alarming thing, especially in the first quarter. The, the amount of play that went down the corridor, just, I couldn't believe we were letting them do it. Yeah, again, it's, it, that's almost what we're I was touching on enough. the first quarter was that they did that so well in the first quarter, it just felt like every time they did it for the rest, it felt like they were doing it non-stop. Yep. But Assad was the one that sticks out in my head. The broken house run through. But and it's interesting because in the second half, he wasn't as prevalent. And but that's that when we got the, back in the game. That was the side. Yep. That was, I mean, that was the game. Yep. Sorry. yeah. Um, a few things that have been said on social media and on radio is McGovern. He's a good marker. He's probably the best marker in the, in the team. 
do we push him up forward? Okay, I think we may actually have to. But the funny thing was, people are oh, why didn't we do this earlier against Essendon? We couldn't. We The first move we had to do was stem the bleeding. We're conceding goals. We're getting smashed. You don't take your best intercept marker and your best defender out. And other than Schofield, you're only other tool there. You don't take him out when you're conceding so many goals. As soon as we stemmed the bleeding, he moved him forward. Um, but people forget, too, he played a quarter and, and he looked imposing, but he didn't kick a goal either. Yeah, so it. it's one of those things. But I don't really like him for because he's not actually that great an accurate kick on goal. Um, but I think we need someone there. Just even bring it down. Bring Ryan Rioli more into the game. The reason I ask is because they've got Tex Walker, they've got Lynch, yeah. and they've got Goal Square Jenkins yeah. in their teams. That's three tours. If we take McGovern away from the back line, it gives them a bit of advantage in the height. That, that's so. where it's hard. And that's where I think Schofield will definitely play again because they've got the height. Yeah, he, 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 he defender. And it was interesting. He was asked on back chat if there's any time for him to go up forward. And he said he'd love to go up forward because that's where he's drafted as. But yeah. they see him as back line. And that's what pisses me up the wall because I'd love to see him up forward because I reckon up forward he could create havoc because he's got speed. He's he knows what to do. He can read the ball well. It's hard because after the injuries, uh, I hope I get the year right or I'll be shot down on social media. In 2015, when we lost Mackenzie and Brown for the year, and now arguably our lockdown defenders and key defenders. So when as soon as they went down, they had to convert. Schofield into a pure lockdown tall defender. So that's what we did, and that's where I feel they created a monster, so to speak, where you've turned this player in, that's your role, you play that role for the team, and we need you to be a full-back defensive lockdown player, and that's what he is now. And that's why I, I tongue-in-cheek said East Perth miss him when he doesn't play. And we need that right now, so it's working for us now, but it's costing him in the long run because he's lost his versatility. Yep. That's his role. So when we need a lockdown defender... He comes in. If we've got a few tools, they stay in. Oh, well. Let's hope that Simo's got someone up his sleeve and swings him forward for about 10 minutes. That'll make me happy for the year. Let's get to the winner in the margin, mate. You can go first. All right. My heart's saying West Coast. I tip West Coast every week, only by 12 points. and then we close one. But my head really says Adelaide, as I touched on before. The JK and Darling factor... Um, we're not locking it in our forward 50 as well as we used to because they're great defensive plays, the both of them. Uh, especially Darling's known for that, his defensive pressure. I think he was one of the leading in the comp at one stage. Um, so missing that, it's been ran out of our forward press too easy and I think that's costing us. Uh, they're getting a lot of goals against us on the rebound, I'm noticing. Well, you've heard it here, TNG members. Daniel has just gone Adelaide. That is something <laughs> I never thought I'd ever hear. On this show, um, I'm a bit shocked. I've just fallen off the chair. I feel quite dirty right now. <laughs> because my winner in margin, I'm going to go against the grain here. And I'm going to have to agree with Daniel that I just I just can't see where we're going to win it up forward. If we, if we can kick straight, we'll win. But it's keeping that ball in there. And the fourth umpire is going to be five umpires because it's at Adelaide Oval. And for some reason, Adelaide bringing the stars back having four losses in a row. I think they're going to have a little bit more hunger than us. Hope I'm wrong, but it'll be close either way. I can't see it being a blowout. So that's the way we're going to go. Hopefully we're both wrong. Don't have a goal to skies, but this is our tip. I'm doing it for tipping, so we'll see how it goes. Let's get on to the last segment of the night. Under the pump. 
right, this is where we do a little bit of venting. Uh, you got one, Dan? Do you want to go first? Yeah, all right. Cheers, Wazza. Um, mine's a little bit of a smaller bank this week, so the person I'm putting under the pump, but I'm going to attack the umpires. I know people think an easy target, and they are. All right, so basically I don't like the four umpires on there. Like, it's the record number of free kicks, and it's way above the average. But my bake and what I'm zoning in on really is, and we touched on it with the controversy of the players touching the umps, they're getting way too close to the contest. Yep. You've got umpires downfield calling freeze, which means they can see it from so far away. Take a step back. And it was never more prevalent than what I talked about earlier on the Jetta thing because it irked me at the time because he's almost stepped in the way and he was that close to the contest. He stepped in the way, got in Jetta's way, yep. and it cost us a goal when we should have been the attack lines. That should have been an – it was an easy clearance to the Eagles and it cost us – the clearance and it cost us a goal and at a crucial time of the game where they were kicking goals with ease and we couldn't concede a goal another goal and we did so that's my bait that's why i've got the umpires under the pump so it's not an easy one saying oh they're making mistakes they're getting way too close to the contest and i feel they don't need to be that close especially now that they've got four take a few steps back if it's 15 meters not a mark why don't you stand 15 metres away? You know, they're standing 5 to 10 metres away and they're actually impeding the play now. It's ridiculous. Yep. Take a step back. It'll stop players touching you because you're away from the play and you won't actually impede the game because it looked like a pure shepherd. It, on the record, it wasn't. like it was, yep. it was one of those things that was an accident. It was unlucky. But it looked like that because he stepped sideways and took a couple stumbled steps and stood in front of Jetta. <laughs> And it cost us the clearance, cost us a goal. I don't like the four umpire thing. I think it's ridiculous. They're trying to change the game too much. If you want to have an extra umpire, have your three on the ground like they have now. Make them position themselves right, get in the right spots. And then if you want to have an extra umpire, make the boundary umpires accountable. Well, for behind the play or something. I don't know. It's hard because I'm feeling like the, the way the game's sitting right now, it's almost every contest and every clearance is almost. The umpires there. And I don't know if they're trying to... This is how they're trying to stop congestion around the footy. Their players will give away more free kicks and it'll clear the ball quicker. I don't know if it's a ploy because that does sound like what the AFL would do because it seems like enemy number one now congested footy, which in itself I don't understand because that was brought in a long time ago yeah. with Paul Ruse when he coached Sydney back in the day. So it's not a new thing. It's just changed. Well, my thing with all the umpires and all the changes is AFL go to the players and ask them what they want and the game will take care of itself. My pump is at Eagles fans. And um, some people are going to have find this hard to swallow, but this is the way it goes. It's hard to have an opinion, but everyone has one. And everyone's entitled to one. Um, you call yourself a fan, Dean Dan? Oh, sometimes. No, yeah, of course. I, I call myself a fan. You see the game different to I do. Is that correct? Yep. So what I hate is fans on social media, when you have a loss, like we did on the weekend, some people are going to be critical of it. Some people don't like mediocre performances, and they voice their opinions. But then you get these other fans that sit there and go, well, you're not a true supporter. Now, that's the biggest pile of bullshit I've ever had in my life. I vented on social media, and I got a lot of feedback, and I got a lot of people agreeing with me. Um Get off this non-true supporter shit. 
um, and take the rose-coloured glasses off while you're at it because at the end of the day, where every fan, regardless of how they support a team, is a true supporter. They support them for that reason. Some people wear the heart on the sleeves, some people wear rose-coloured glasses, but you're the same as I am. We support the team, we follow them, and we want the best. Some people say some people are too critical of players. Well, maybe they are, and some people might go too far but maybe they have higher expectations than you do. At the end of the day, don't go labelling people crap shit like that, you know, because it's just going to go around in circles. You're going to label the person a non-tree supporter. They're going to label you a rose-coloured glasses like I just did to you to get back at you. So, end of the day, if unless you don't know, unless you know somebody, don't have a go at them about how they support a club because I live and breathe football. It's a religion to me. And if somebody's going to turn me in and say I'm not a true supporter, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, that's it. And I think the thing I like, everyone has an opinion, what you said, and that's true. But what people have to understand is opinions aren't facts. Your opinion can be swayed with facts. My opinion's swayed a lot by stats, which everyone knows that this is probably I love my stats. And they can be manipulated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, stats don't lie. They just can change perception on the player. Yeah. But everyone's been... So... Don't state your opinion as actual fact. Yep. You know what I mean? If someone disagrees with your opinion, as was a touched on, that's because they don't have the same opinion. It's not saying who's right or wrong. That's it. It's They're different. So don't act like, I hate the thing, oh, did you even watch the game? Or sayings like that, you know, because it's like, well, yeah, I did watch the game, mate. And you'll have an opinion, which is fair enough, but you're not backing it up with any stats. You're not backing it up with any facts. It's just an opinion, and we both got... Different ones, so yep. everyone has an opinion. They and this goes for our clubs. It's not just directed Eagles fans, but last week it was. It, it irked me. It, it really got to me, and I just had to set the record straight. Um, look, guys, we had a shorter, almost probably not that shorter show actually. Um, let's hope we have a good win against the Crows. Um, have a listen to all the other podcast shows, guys. The Eagles back chat have Daniel Kerr on, so that was a good one if you can have a listen. I had listened to one called Captain's Core, which they interview each of the captains and have a listen to that because it gives you a different perception on how players go about things, how captains go about it. I had a perception of Nat Fife that changed, just listen to an interview. So have a listen to it. The Shannon Hearn one is pretty good. Um, go footy there every week. Um, I was on RTR the other day. That was a pretty good experience. I love that. Um, I'm probably doing another one in August. And... Listen to the guys that winging it as well. So, and let's hope that Eagles have a good win for Ashley Jones. Let's hope so. Because he's up there, and hopefully he's going to guide them to a good win. And this one's for you, Ashley. So let's win a few, mate. And thanks again, Dan, for another good show, mate. Thank you being here, mate. Next week, hopefully we've got a special guest on for you. Hopefully, but we won't say anything until we've got that con- in concrete. Yeah, wait and see. Wait or him, see. him in concrete. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. This is a TNG uh, podcast. Uh, let's go, Eagles. Kill the Crows. Sends it.